Turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And don't let me forget uh, when we finish, when I finish, we need to go over uh, four quick things real quick, opportunities. Uh, three are ministry opportunities that we've talked about in the last few weeks. And one is... Uh, we have an opportunity to pick up uh, something that we do need for the other building, the sanctuary. We just want to let everybody know, and then uh, uh, we can hopefully move forward on that. <clears throat> We're going to be in... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, of course, but we're going to start in verse 12. I'm going to read all the way down to verse 23, and I want to, I just, I'll tell you what, if, if, when we come together and we look at the Word of God, if we can leave with one thing that we can grab a hold of, you know, one truth, I tell you, sometimes, you know, we, we, we do the shotgun approach, and and there's a bunch of stuff there, and there is. I mean, the Word of God. There's there's truths in every verse. There's truths in every sentence. There's truths in every word. But uh, it's very hard sometimes for us to kind of get all that stuff and corral it and put together. And and this morning, uh, I want us to leave here with one truth in mind, and and. <clears throat> We're going to see again the example of the church at Corinth and, and what we can learn from them. It's real easy for us to, you know, we look at the nation of Israel and we go, oh boy, God said they were a stiff-necked and rebellious people. And then we go on some rant about how unfaithful they were and, and how that uh, uh, they were unfaithful to uh, God the Father. And we can just shred them and tear them apart. And then we get to the disciples and we go, oh man, what a group that was. And then we start picking on Peter, you know, and, and we can just go through it. And we forget that these were written as examples for us so that we can learn from these examples. And when we get into uh, the epistles, the letters, we're in the to the church at Corinth. That was a very gifted church. We mentioned that last week. Very gifted church. A church of some size and diversity. Because if you study about Corinth and and you know the ships were coming into Corinth and it was a place of trade, uh, it was a place of money. I mean, everything was happening at Corinth, and uh, the. The church there at Corinth reflected that. You had the wealthy, you had the poor, you had the former slaves, you had slaves, you had the merchants, you had the tradesmen, you had probably some military. It appears as though there were some civic leaders, rulers, attended the church at Corinth. But we need to learn from them. In verse 12, Paul says this. He says, Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, 
and I am of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in mine own name. And I baptized also the house of Stephanus, besides I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise, where is the scribe, where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, and under the Greeks foolishness. <coughs> Again, who did God use to start? Who did God use to uh, plant the seeds of the gospel at Corinth? Who did God use to uh, bring together uh, these individuals? The Apostle Paul. Now again, remember something. We are in the time of the early church, so there's kind of a transition going on. Okay? And, and there was the ministry of the apostles who were personally sent out by the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody walks up to you today and says, I'm an apostle, say what? Are you saying you're just a messenger? Or are you saying you're an apostle? If they say, well, I, I'm just a messenger. Hey, we're all messengers of the gospel. But we ain't all apostles. All right? I did not receive a face-to-face -face verbal commission from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. Okay? But at this time, there was the ministry of the apostles who Jesus used to establish those foundational building blocks of what we call the church. And so Paul had that authority. And what does he begin to deal with? Unity in the local church. Division in the local church. And he says, now this I say, that every, every one of you... Now how did he find out about it? Well, there was some individuals that came from the house of Chloe. And they said, Paul, we got some stuff going on. We don't know what to do. We have divisions in the church. You know, we use the term click today. I, I, I tell you what, I, I, I like it after 
you get done preaching or teaching, not just because you're done preaching or teaching, but you get done and you sit and you watch. And you watch what people do. And there's nothing better when there's just a, a balanced mingling of people. And everybody speaking and getting along, you know, talking and enjoying the fellowship and the company. But I'll tell you what, I've been in a lot of churches where I sit and I get done and I don't say anything, mostly because my talker's broke. Okay? But I sit and I watch, and I've been in churches where all of a sudden you start to see these little groups gravitate toward one another. And you'll have a little section over here, and you'll have a little group here, and you'll have them there. And, and all of a sudden you're looking and you see this splintered group of people. And Solomon said, he said, there's nothing new under the sun. Because here in one of the early churches, those first century churches, what's Paul dealing with in chapter 1? He's saying there's division within the church. And, and that division there it comes from a word that means schism. And so what that, what that Greek word means, it, it doesn't mean just cliques. It doesn't mean little groups. Because if we were to honestly look at groups within the local church, that word schism means to literally just rip and tear and shred. And it's almost like a medical term. And it makes noise, by the way. We talked about integrity. Let your yay be yay and your nay be nay. You know, let your yes be yes. That should that should be it. That should be all that's necessary for the Christian, right? And we talked about that that testimony of wisdom and integrity and how it speaks volumes. And it's heard. Well, divisions within the local church are heard. I remember I was 18 years old. I got a scholarship to go to college. I really didn't even want to go. But there, you know, okay, fine. And and we were in two a days. In August, you know, you practice for two hours at nine and you come back out and you practice for two hours starting at two. And I don't know, I think it was a third day in the afternoon. And somehow I got my foot caught in a divot and I rotated and my knee just went. <clears throat> and everybody that was around me out on that field went water break. Why? Because they heard the noise that my knee made when it did what it did. And it tore. And, and there was a schism <laughs> in my knee. 
And I'll tell you, when there are divisions in the church, it makes noise. He says, listen, every one of you, that's a loud noise. It speaks volumes. And he says, some of you say, I am of Paul. You would think that he would be, you know, flattered. Hey, there's still somebody that likes me. Uh uh. Because what does Paul call himself when you read his letters? More often than not, he says, I am a bond slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in these first few verses, he says, I am so grateful to God that I baptized just very few of you. He had there others that were helping him that did that. Because he didn't want anybody, he didn't want this happening. He says, I am a Paul and I have Apollos. Who is Apollos? Great preacher. Bible says that, that he was a man that was mighty in the scriptures. If there would ever been somebody that had a radio program that everybody listened to back in the day, it would have been Apollos. He had the voice. He had the delivery. And did he love the Lord? Yeah. God blessed him with those things. And Apollos, is, as best I can tell reading in Scripture, his heart was right before the Lord. He didn't want this either. And then you had Cephas. Peter, one of the, the apostles, the leader of the apostles, the leader of the church at Jerusalem. And lastly, and I of Christ. What do you think is at the bottom of all this? You think it's preacher worship? Nope. But do we do that today? I tell you, again, I've been in churches and I've even pastored at churches and, and God has used us to plant churches and I've had folks come in and boy, howdy, they, they just, oh, we, we really like this guy. And they have all the guy's books and they listen to every, and I mean that guy, whatever he says is gospel. Not the gospel. Okay. He could tell them jump off a cliff and they'd probably do it because he said it. Now that's if you asked him, that's not what he would want. But we have that today. Uh, we have, and I get to hear this a lot at different places. Oh, we used to have this one pastor, and he was so wonderful. I just look at him and go, "Y'all need to get over yourselves. He ain't here anymore. God moved him on. God had another place." Another job for him to do. Okay? He used him for a season, for a particular purpose and time. But God has moved him on. What's at the base of all that? Pride. Because what were these people doing? There were those that said, We're a Paul. 
hey, he's the one that started this. We're with him. And they made it a source of pride. And what did they do? In doing so, they looked down at everybody else. And those that were of Apollos, you know, man, he could preach. Oh, you ought to hear it. Oh, the way he speaks. They were enamored by the speaker and not the message. They were enamored by the speaker and not the Savior. Peter. And then there, there were those we say, well, these guys had it right and I have Christ. Apparently they didn't because they used it as a source of pride and a source to pass judgment on all the others. And it was loud enough that it got back to Paul. And I can guarantee you if it got back to Paul, it got back to, and it got around to the city of Corinth. You'll find later on in 1 Corinthians there is sin within the church at Corinth and, and Paul says that not even the lost would take part in that. Loud spoke volume. You know, there's an arrogance here. In a way, they were expressing ownership of the local church. You ever been in a church where folks express ownership of the local church? I hate to break it to us. We didn't pay for it. We didn't buy it. It is not ours. We are what God has placed within the local church body to accomplish His work and His purpose for a time and a place. A lot of different ways. I've had, I've had folks over the years think that since they, they give and they tithe lots of money, somehow they own the church. Not so much. Hey, does, does the Bible teach us about tithing? Sure does. But what is tithing? Give it back to God what's it. Not only is it an extension of the working of grace in the life of the believer and an extension of the character of Christ in the life of the believer, it is a form of worship. You realize the greatest form of worship that we can have as Christians today, as believers today, is in how we live our life. Arrogancy, pride has no place. These folks, there, there was a schism there. There was a tearing apart there. Paul is calling for them to come back together. And again, using medical terms to say, hey, <laughs> you just done ripped the shoulder apart. <laughs> you need to go get it fixed. That's okay. <laughs> it was just, it was too obvious I had to use it. 
That's why I sit on the front row. Yeah. <laughs> He's saying, you're focused on the wrong thing. <clears throat> and then he gets into what? Verses 18 through 23. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. It's not the act of preaching, it's the message. And again, he begins to lift up who and what. The Gospel of Christ. There's, there's no place for division in the local church. There's no place for arrogance in the local church. Hey, we are just like Paul, humble servants. Humble parts of the body that God puts together to accomplish His purpose. And I like verse 23, those first five words. But we preach Christ crucified. See, the Lord Jesus Christ touches every aspect of our life. Another example from Daniel. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says, And uh, Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. And, and what he's talking about was there were laws in place that God passed down to Moses regarding what they should eat, what they shouldn't, what they should stay away from. And, and Daniel was a captive in Babylon, so what did they want to do? Get their culture, get the ways of the world into them. Daniel said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> Why? Because God touched every aspect of Daniel's life. Right down to what he ate. And the Lord Jesus Christ needs to touch every aspect of our life. From how we view people, how we view one another, how we view Him, obviously. How we view situations. See, it's, it's, it's not just division. It's not just cliques in the church. It is a, a tearing apart of the body of Christ which was taking place at the church of Corinth. And Paul said, listen, you need to come back together. It needs to be mended. And the only way that it is mended is that we begin to see one another in situations and ourselves through the lenses of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who's our greatest example of humility? Christ. Who's our greatest example of love? Christ. Who's our greatest example of giving? Christ. Who is our greatest example of wisdom? Solomon? No. Christ. 
Christ. He touches every aspect of our life. I think last week we said that you know churches can survive a lot of things. Uh, there can be immorality, situations of immorality in the church, and a church can come back from that. There can be dishonesty. A church can come back from those instances. But when a church is known for its division, and is known for its abrasiveness, it rarely, if ever, comes back. You see, in verse 17, Paul says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, in other words, fancy words, he said, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. We want to blame Satan for destroying the testimony of the gospel. He fights against God's plan. He does everything he can, but when it comes to destroying the testimony of the gospel, he just steps back and lets Christians do it themselves. what happens when we get our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we stop making the Word of God that part of our life that we literally can't live without. Because the, this book it, in a sense is Jesus Christ. Because it describes Him. It, it is Him. That's why it says in Hebrews 4, the Word of God is quick and powerful. That word quick means alive. It is able to open things up and expose. It is able to heal. It is the very... It gives us the very character of the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. And by applying that to our lives, immersing ourselves in it, what did we do? We begin to see every situation through the lenses of the Lord Jesus Christ. And arrogancy, pride has no place. You ever read Proverbs 8, verse 13? You need to. It says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And that word hate means to treat it as an enemy. And then it says, And pride and arrogancy. And it goes on to list other things. In Proverbs 6, it says, These six things doth the Lord hate. It means He treats them as an enemy. 
Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. First one out of the box, pride. These folks were full of pride. It wasn't misguided allegiance. It was pride. They had lost sight of the gospel. They had lost sight of who Jesus Christ is and how He affects and touches every aspect of their life. We need to be aware of that. Psalm 51 where David says against thee and thee only have I sinned and he says my sin is ever before me it means it's right there there ain't no getting away from it everywhere I turn there's my sin we need to everywhere we turn there he is real easy for us to pick at the church of Corinth and go, man, those people, what a mess they were. Da, 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 you know, all that stuff. I'll tell you what. We are that far away at any time from turning into the church of Corinth. And don't ever think that we're not. Do we live in fear of it? No. But we need to be aware of it. That's why it said, 1 Peter, he said, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We need to be aware. Constantly keep our focus where it needs to be. Let's pray. Father, I thank You for Your Word, Lord. I thank You that through this we can see the Lord Jesus Christ and through Him we can see You. Father, just help us to be mindful of these things. Be aware, Lord. Father, most of all, we thank You for the Gospel, for the Lord Jesus Christ who shed His blood for us at Calvary. Help us to be mindful of Him at all times. Jesus. What we'll do is let's...